Hello, everybody. This is P. Norman Grant with another episode of the Grapefruit Agenda, where we look at today's news, comments on the news, criticism of the news, and those who write the news, and angles of our American culture. We are the culture vultures. Why grapefruit? Because we're sweet on conservatism and sour on liberalism. Today's agenda is climate science and who's doling out the truth uh, when some called weather, others called climate change. So today's episode is called Don't Trust the Science. And here's a great example. A great example by a man named Dan Patrick, Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown is a researcher and he usually writes for a magazine, it was a journal actually, called Nature. Nature is one of the, the Bibles of science, climate change, and we can see that there's a, an agenda. In fact, Brown says in the scholarly journal Nature that the, the bias and the agenda that they have really depletes your trust in anything that has anything to do with science. You have to be skeptical. You need to be almost cynical. So here's a guy who writes this article knowing that if he didn't mention that climate change was a big contributor to the wildfires all over the world this year, that then you wouldn't be printed. So he's going to sculpt his remarks so that it fits into the magazine, leaving out a whole bunch of other things that could have caused and contributed to a lot of the fires in Maui. Well, let me read some of his actual printed journal. From the journal Nature, if you've been reading any news about wildfires this summer from Canada to Europe to Maui, yeah, the big Canada fires, you'll surely get the impression that they're mostly the result of climate change. And so the Associated Press, he quotes the Associated Press, climate change keeps making wildfires and smoke worse. Scientists call it the new abnormal. PBS, PBS NewsHour, wildfires driven by climate change are on the rise. Spain must do more to prepare, experts say. New York Times, really? How climate change turned lush Hawaii into a tinderbox. And Bloomberg, Maui fires show climate change's ugly reach. So all these people are convinced, all the major news outlets, the sources of our reality, our truth, are all affected by this bias. So Brown goes on to say, I'm a climate scientist. And while climate change is an important factor affecting wildfires over many parts of the world, it isn't close to the only factor that deserves their sole focus. So he goes on to say that, Climate warming increases extreme daily wildfire growth risk in California. That's the, the issue that he published in. It's part of this story. Climate warming increases extreme daily wildfire growth risk in California. So he may say that it actually, actually does. But that's not the only thing that contributed to the wildfires. He says that they focus exclusively on how climate change has affected extreme wildfire behavior. I knew not to try to quantify key aspects other than climate change in my research because it would dilute the story that prestigious journals like Nature and its rival Science want to tell. Do we get that, Grapefruiters? So he's sculpting his piece so that it fits into their narrative. That's what's happening. So it couldn't be no spontaneous combustion out in California. Spontaneous combustion due to extreme heat. In fact, Brown says 80% of the fires, the big fires, are started by people. And, of course, they have other contributories, as actually Trump said when they had the big fires in California during his presidency. He says, you know, you need, you need uh, ranges to have the undercut, underbrush cut. You need to have fire sculpturing. You need to have fire prevention. The editors of these journals, he continues, have made it abundantly clear, both by what they publish and what they reject, 
that they want climate papers that support certain pre-approved narratives, even when those narratives come at the expense of broader knowledge for society. So when you are a writer, when you're a researcher, and when you're a professor, you're in school, you need to have a PhD, you need to continue your PhD, you need to get paid as a PhD, you need to publish or perish. That's what Brown is talking about. You need to publish, and whether you publish or not leads to your tenure, it leads to your pay increase. So you need to fit, you need to slice, and need to fit into this narrative, your version of what they want. He says, it starts with the fact that a researcher's career depends on his or her work being cited widely, widely and perceived as important. This triggers the self-reinforcement, feedback loops of name recognition, funding, quality applications from aspiring PhD students and postdoctorates, and of course, accolades. You need to publish or perish. So he goes on to say how he sculpted his piece so that we got into the scholarly journal. He says, in reality, though, the biases of the editors and the reviewers they call upon to evaluate submissions exert a major influence on the collective output of entire fields. They select what gets published from a large pool of entries, and in doing so, they also shape how research is conducted more broadly. Savvy researchers tailor their studies to maximize the likelihood that their work is accepted. I know this because I was one of them. So he goes into how it works. This is Mr. Brown. So he goes to a couple of colleagues, and they put together uh, one of their versions one of the versions of how these wildfires are started by man, by way of carbon, by way of uh, over overuse of fossil fuels, you know the the uh, the glass ceiling. Uh, he's talking about these people have the preconceived bias that the writers have to fit into. So, in my recent Nature paper, he said, which I authored with a couple of others, make no mistake that influence is very real. The influence of climate change, climate change bias. But there are also other factors about the wildfires: poor forest management, increasing people numbers of people who start wildfires, uh, either accidentally or on purpose. So they get into the eighty percent. So in my paper, he says we didn't bother to study the influence of these other obviously relevant factors because they only wanted to hear one. They wouldn't print the article. Brown says unless he just solely concentrated on climate change as the beginning and the sources of these fires. He said, I also knew that it would detract from the clean narrative centered on the negative impact of climate change and thus decrease the odds that the paper would pass muster with nature's editors and reviewers. So here's our don't trust the scientist angle. Here's a guy who has to leave out most of the other factors that he knows contribute to these wildfires. Because Nature wouldn't publish unless he did. Here's somebody that published also. How about the USA Today? In fact, this just came out today in our local paper. Here's the Treasure Coast. The T.C. Palm Treasure Coast newspapers from Green Governor. This is also a hit piece on DeSantis. From Green Governor to active hostility. So now he's hostile. DeSantis is hostile toward climate change worshipers. You have to believe. It's the church. It's like Krauthammer said. It's the church of climate change. So DeSantis moved to write on climate as Florida endures heat and hurricanes. So grapefruiters, have you ever heard of heat and hurricanes in Florida? Yes or no? Check one box. Yes, it's hot. Do we have hurricanes? Yes. Are they increasing? Not really. Look at the other scientists. Don't trust the scientists. Because it's just, it's the hype. It's the narrative. It is the narrative. And it means money. We're going to get to that in a minute. 
DeSantis created an office to deal with the impacts of sea level rise and pushed for money to support such efforts when he first ran. I think it may have been just a a knee-jerk just to get the popularity. The government's early environmental actions won him bipartisan praise, but now... Now those efforts never materialized, says the AP writer. What's his name? Is this Kennedy? I think it's Kennedy. USA Today, Florida. The governor's early environmental actions. Okay. Those efforts never materialized. And DeSantis has become increasingly hostile to climate solutions, vetoing legislation and rejecting funding for such efforts as he seeks to lead a party that, wait a minute, what efforts? Rejecting funding for what efforts? as he seeks to lead a party that polling shows largely is comprised of voters who don't see the issue as important. So what they do is they conflate the issue of the environment. He must hate the environment. Republicans hate the environment. They hate water, clean water. This is like a Hannity thing, <laughs> clean, clean water, clean air. So pledging to be a stronger advocate for clean water, but he doesn't do that anymore. Really? DeSantis environmental advocacy largely focused on water quality, but also touched on climate impacts. So they go on to say, well, where did he go? He used to be such climate, a climate climber. He was climbing on the climate. Climate change is his. But now he's gone away. He's gone over to the dark side. But then we, we see that there are other guys piling on here. Kev, Kathy Castor from Tampa wrote a letter saying the governor this summer, the rising costs and impacts of the climate crisis are wearing on Floridians. Yet you, Mr. DeSantis, have your head in the sand and it's costing us a fortune. Your lack of leadership in moving the Sunshine State to cleaner, cheaper energy is very costly for Floridians. And DeSantis, on his part, saying, you know, we're going to get these corporations to get off this climate bandwagon. Not only that, but the woke woke stuff, too. Disney, the Disney woke stuff. That is the ESG. The paper goes on to say DeSantis also spearheaded legislation this year, taking aim at investing practice known as ESG, environmental, social, and governance that evaluation companies based on evaluates companies based on issues such as carbon emissions so the governor has vowed to go further if elected president and roll back biden's energy policies you see where the esg comes in so desantis is rolling back the corporate ratings you get a corporate rating if you believe that climate change and do something or say something about climate change then you get to be you have three stars you have three stars you get three stars on your paper the growing confidence in ESG. So he's attacking that while they're attacking him. And what do they say? He's hostile now. He's a hostile governor. Where does this go, folks? This goes over to, I see this this from last week, climate change's toll in Africa. This is where the rubber hits the road because what this is about is really a redistribution of wealth. I'm looking at it. It's just no other way to say it. So at uh, a Kenya climate change conference, the Africa Climate Summit. We have a couple of people who are looking at the UN. This is all UN generated, United Nations generated, World Health, World Health Organization. So the U.S. government, this is by, this is always Associated Press. The U.S. government's climate envoy, John Kerry, acknowledged the acute unfair debt the, Africans, the African countries have. 30 of the world's most indebted countries are from Africa. Shocking. He also said 17 of the world's 20 countries most affected by climate change are in Africa, while the world's 20 richest nations, including his own, that's us people, produce 80% of the world's carbon emissions that are driving climate change. So what the implication is that poor Africa is suffering from our carbon emissions. Where is that proof? Where Where are the numbers there? Is it hotter there, rainier there, drier there? 
Carbon price. Here's interesting phrase: carbon pricing mechanism. What the Africans are after, and what the World Health Organization and the UN UN are pushing, is a redistribution of wealth through the guise of paying for the climate violence that's going on in Africa. The carbon pricing mechanism. So they asked about the Kenyan president's call for a carbon tax discussion. This is the president of Kenya wants a carbon tax discussion. He wants to get the proceeds of the West's carbon tax. That's what the Paris Accords were, which coincidentally just happened around the time that, Joe, uh, that Trump was president. They had to come up with a response. And soon I'm going to tell you about the United Nations Agenda 2030. But this is Kerry over in Africa. He said, Kerry replied that President Joe Biden has not yet embraced any particular carbon pricing mechanism. So the president of Kenya comes back and says, climate finance is the key. With the richer nations promise of $100 billion a year in climate finance to developing countries still unfulfilled. The president of Kenya said the summit declaration will firmly encourage all nations to keep their promises. So he wants climate reparations. That's what he wants. Another African leader said some African leaders gave passionate descriptions of climate change's toll. The seas, this is the last sentence, in the climate change's toll, in Africa noted, the seas that once serenaded us with lullabies, now warm of rising tides, said Sierra Leone's president, B.O., it's an African story, and I dare say it's a global story, too. So the people who are in the middle of the jungle, say Guinea-Bissau or Congo or many others in the middle, in the middle of the, of the African continent, they're acknowledging, acknowledging the climate change and the seas rising, the seas rising 2,000 miles away from them. That's a great acknowledgement. So what my premise is that it's, this is mostly stirred by the World Health Organization and, and the United Nations. The United Nations has something called Agenda 2030. So when you have an agenda that calls out for reparations, they call it inclusive resistance, inclusive resistance, or the World Economic Social Survey. So in this statement, this is the statement by the United Nations, Agenda 2030, they talk about World Economic Social Survey. In the World Economic Social Survey, titled Climate Change Resilience, an Opportunity for Reducing, reducing Inequalities. Are you getting this? We have to reduce the inequalities in the world about climate change, not about wealth, not about social structure, not about the civilizations, not about the gap between Western civilization, African civilization, Southern civilization, Asian civilization. No, it, it's about any inequalities. This is the 2016, again, the same year that Trump was elected. So an opportunity for reducing inequalities. They contribute to the discussion about the implementation challenges of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development by addressing climate change resilience as an opportunity to reduce inequalities in wealth, not inequalities in protecting or re resisting climate change. <laughs> Have they acknowledged climate change over there? Climate change, here, this is from the... 2030. Climate change and variability have disproportionate impacts on vulnerable countries and population groups by affecting their well-being and livelihoods. Grapefruiters, I can explain this. I can, I can summarize this, is that it sucks being poor. When you are poor, you are more susceptible to a lot of things. Same thing in the United States. When they say that the black communities are more susceptible to climate change because of their lack of money. 
money. So they, they're admitting that if you're black, you must be poor. That's the premise of their whole climate change ideology. That's the bias. If you're black, you must be poor. What a racist thing to comprehend. Seriously. So if the vulnerable populations are more exposed to climate, this is from the 2030 World Health, Health Organization. As a consequence, they have more difficulty to cope, okay? They often lack access to basic health, education, infrastructure, and social services. This is not news, people. This is a description of the average African community. As a consequence, they have more difficulty to cope, recover, and adapt to climate shocks. Climate shocks. If there were real news then in our newspapers, we would find the climate shocks. Well, we've had Libya. Libya just had the huge floods. Then we had Morocco had the, had the earthquakes. Uh, so these are shocks that happen all over the world all the time, all the time. It could be in Peru. It could be in Portugal. Mother Nature is a bitch, and we live with it. But they want wealth redistribution to accommodate the inequalities of wealth, not climate change exposure. So it says uh, sea level rise, sea level rise. The people in the Congo don't know nothing about sea level rise. Increasing temperatures, it's hot in Africa. Ocean acidification, go take a dip and see if you've got acid on you. Land and, re and forest degradation, among others. Now, down in Brazil, and we've studied uh, forest deforestation in South America. I guess there is such in Africa, not in my news, not my news pattern. So this uneven distribution of impacts and risks related to climate change is a result of multiple socioeconomic inequalities, today they'd say equities, socioeconomic disparity equities, that limit the access of vulnerable groups to assets, opportunities, and political participation. In the absence of adequate, coherent, and integral policies to address the development gaps that underpin poverty and vulnerability, climate change and variability will exacerbate poverty, inequality, and vulnerability. That's a lot of syllables saying that if you're poor, if you can't afford a good roof over your head and you just, just have a poncho, you're going to be exposed to Mother Nature and her wrath. I don't think there's any argument with that. It just is. This is a famous proof of the phrase, it is what it is. But the WHO and the United Nations and lefties here in America and people who write these newspapers and the newspaper articles and some of the, the journals, scholarly journals, have a predisposed bias. They don't understand that? No, they understand it very well. This is the redistribution scam. This is the hoax. Climate change may not be a hoax, but the scam associated with redistributing, redistributing, redistributing the wealth of Western civilization, that is the hoax. Oh. Hope it rains on you today, grapefruiters, just slightly. And if it does, it ain't my fault. This is Pete Army Grant, another edition of The Grapefruit Agenda. We'll see you next time.